of the traits and the characteristics that we admire in people is we, we admire bravery. Uh, we admire people of courage. I think for guys, that's why we are drawn to movies like, you know, like, uh, like, like Braveheart and like Saving Private Ryan, Downton Abbey. I'm just kidding. Uh, and that's why I believe that many, many ladies, they are, they, you know, they always enjoy shows that, that show the, you know, the hero coming in and saving the lady in distress. And so we enjoy courage. We enjoy the idea of someone being brave. But whenever it comes to applying that to our own lives, it gets a little bit more difficult. You know, I mean, I like to see it on the screen, but if you call me or you call us to live lives of courage, then it, it just gets a little more, a little more complex. And, and one of the reasons why is because if you decide that you're going to be courageous, then that means that you sort of become a focal point for people, uh, and not always in a good way. Uh, if you decide that you're going to be courageous, it can be dangerous. If you decide that you're going to be courageous, it can mean that you're going to end up rocking the boat. And, and people in general, what we like to do is we like to, we like to get along. You know, we like for everything to just sort of run smoothly. We don't want things to, you know, to get a little rough. We don't want somebody to be disagreeable. And so oftentimes what we do is sometimes we will sacrifice what we believe in. We'll sacrifice what's really important to us just simply to keep the peace. Now, I'm all for keeping the peace. But guys, we should never do that at the expense of what Scripture says at the expense of how God has called us to live. And whenever I read through the Bible, I, I discover that Jesus has not called us to a comfortable life, but Jesus has called us to be a light in the world. Now, we're all familiar with that, and we all like light. I mean, whenever somebody turns a light, you know, you're able to see. I can point out all the good qualities of light. But there are also some bad qualities about light. You know, whenever you are sound asleep and it's pitch black and maybe one of your children or your wife flips on the light, isn't that a wonderful way to wake up? You know, it just, it, it blinds you, you, your eyes, you, you hate it. You don't like the light. Let me tell you something. If we decide that we are going to be a light in our, in our community, in our culture, not everybody is going to be appreciative of it. But that is the life that Jesus has called us to live. And if we're going to be a light in the world, there are going to be times when it means that we are called to live without fear in the midst of a culture that oftentimes is not for God. And that's why today we're going to be looking in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. And as I've gotten older, my fav- to probably my favorite people in the Bible, some of my favorite characters in the Bible have have changed over the years and, and and I when I was a kid you know I was like every other little kid I loved David you know the story of David and Goliath isn't that a great story and I've shared with this with y'all this with y'all before it's a great story until you have little kids and you start reading through it and you're like hey little Johnny you're gonna love this and I will feed your flesh to the birds of the air I mean that's kind of weird and so anyway so I loved I loved the story of David and Goliath but as I've gotten older my favorite story now I love Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are guys that, I'm telling you, you want to talk about courage? You talk about guys who stood for the things of God? It's those guys. And that's who we're going to look at in our text. And they, they had been taken captive, and they'd been brought into a culture that was godless. But they made a decision that they were going to be a light in a world of darkness. And so the question is, how can we as believers, a village church... How can we be a people who are going to be a light 
in a world that is becoming increasingly dark. Well, that's what we're going to look at today in Daniel 1, in verse number 8. Now, I'll just give you a little background here about where they were. They, of course, they're in captivity. Uh, they had been in Israel, in Jerusalem, and there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar who came in. He destroyed the temple. He took the best and the brightest out of Jerusalem, and he brought them into Babylon. Now, Israel is just a really interesting place. Uh, the nation of Israel is still the focal point of our world today. And Israel, though, it, it's a focal point of our world today, but it is the size of New Jersey. And I said, I look at that and I think, how in the world is so much attention directed towards Israel? Well, in this day, here's the reason why. If you look at it on a map, you might not have one with you, but if you did, you're going to discover it is basically this little tiny bridge, land bridge, that stands between Africa and Europe. And so whoever controlled that little land bridge really controlled a great part of the world. And so people were always fighting their battles in Israel. And at this time, that's when Babylon had come through. They would taken control of Israel. And four of the men who were taken captive were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay, now we all know Dan. If you, if you grew up in the, in the church like I did, if you had Sunday night church and training union like I did, you know, you know Daniel. For What's the famous story about Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There you go. All right. Fiery furnace. Okay, y'all get gold stars So whenever you leave today. So that's, that's kind of neat. So this is, who we're, this is who we're talking about today in our passage of Scripture. But we see these four men, they lived fearlessly in the midst of a godless culture. Now, how did they do that? Well, let's look at a few things they did. For starters, they were able to remain fearless in a godless, godless culture because they made a decision that they were going to stand firm in their faith regardless. We're going to honor God no matter what. And if we're going to live fearlessly in this life, and we're going to make a difference, let me tell you something, it's going to require you and me to choose today that we will stand firm with what God says, not with what other people say. So let's look and see this in verse 8. And this is kind of a, it's kind of, it's, it's a strange passage of scripture, so I hope you'll bear with me, but it's kind of interesting. Uh, verse number 8, it says, Daniel, this is when they're in captivity, he determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food. Most of this text is going to be about food, so it's kind of strange, but hang with me. It says, or with the wine that he drank. And so he asked permission from the chief official not to defile himself. And God had granted Daniel favor and compassion from the chief official. Yet he said to Daniel, my lord the king assigned your food and drink. And I'm afraid of what would happen if he saw your faces looking thinner than those of the other young men your age. You would endanger my life with the king. Okay, so the question is, well, what's, what's going on here? What's happened is that the Hebrew men, they, they've been brought, and young people, they've been brought into Babylon, held captive, and the king said, I want you to feed them food from the king's table. And so what does all that mean? Well, he brought them there because they're smart people. He said, so I want to take care of these guys. I want them to eat the best because I want them to serve me well. So they were special guys that had been set aside. Now that sounds good to me. Think, I mean, y'all, whenever they, they came out of exile, they, they went from Israel and they had to, they did not take a train to Babylon. I mean, this was a hard journey. And they get there and then the king says, I got some good food for y'all to eat. Now who wouldn't be excited about it? It's like Thanksgiving, you know, so people are excited. But here's the problem. The food that was being offered was not the food that God wanted his people to eat. 
that there were food laws, and you may have heard them. God said, I want you to stand apart from the rest of the world in the way that you live, the way that you speak, and even in the way that you eat. And so the food laws they had to follow, we call it, we call it kosher food. There was some food that they could eat. There was food that had to be prepared in a special way. Um, and so it was, just, it was just an interesting food laws that had been given. Well, the food that the king was offering these men was not according to God's menu. Now, I mean, I look at that and I think, well, I mean, how, can't, how bad can that be? You know, they could cheat a little bit. I mean, so this is not that big of a deal. But here's where Daniel and his friends were different. They knew this. They knew, if I'm not faithful to what God says to me in the little things, I'm not going to be faithful to God in the big things. And so the, the text tells us, it says that Daniel and his friends, they made a decision that they were going to honor God. It says Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. He made a decision he was going to honor God. Now they tried to change his cultural view. You know, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they had come from one culture, they had come from one religion, and now they were moving into a new nation. And what they were trying to do with these, them eating this food is they were trying to get them to gradually move from, from their God to begin to put their God on the back burner to begin to serve the God of the Babylonians. But Daniel and his friends said, it will not happen with us. You know, I thought about the culture that, that we are surrounded with. You know, that's what our culture does with us as well. It, it tries to, to move us and, and to gradually move us from strongly held convictions to begin to let them go so that we become more and more like the world. And, and you know, culture's been really good at that. I mean, I promise you, 50 years ago, mo the majority of Americans would not, would not agree with so many of the social stances that we have today. George Barna did a study, and he found that those who claim to be followers of God, who are born-again followers of Jesus, when it comes down to their beliefs and the way they live, he said there is virtually no difference at all between them and people who do not follow God. I read an article in the Texas Business Magazine that said, What's going on in North America? It says, We have no built-in beliefs, no ethical boundaries, Cheat on your taxes, just don't get caught. Cheat on your wife, just don't get a disease. It says our high-tech society has given us everything. Everything but a conscience and integrity. Now Daniel and his friends, they said, we don't want to go the way of the world. And even though the world is saying that our God is not the real God, they said we're going to honor our God because we believe in Him. We, because we believe that His ways are right. And so Daniel determined... That he's going to honor God. That word determined, it means he was going to stand. He's going to stand on what God had to say. He wasn't going to stand on what culture said. He wasn't going to stand on what, what popular opinion was. He said, I'm going to stand on God's word. Now, now why would he do that? You know, it came down to a simple understanding, and it was this. He had a belief that what God said was lasting, and that what the world teaches us and what the world goes after is temporary. It doesn't last. You know, Isaiah 48 says the grass withers and the flowers fade. And it's telling us the things of this world are temporary. But it says, but the word of our God, how long does it last? It's forever. He understood this. 
So the world's offering me something, something temporary. I don't want to settle for temporary. I want the eternal. Uh, Moses understood this. We're told in uh, Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26, it says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and he chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasures of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt since his attention was on the reward. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If we, if we choose this kind of a life, it, it will not be easy. I'm sure that the people that surround the other captives that were with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, guys, don't do you know, You're drawing attention to us. Don't rock the boat. Just go with the flow. It's not that big of a deal. You're going to get us into trouble. But, but these men said, we, we want to honor God. We're not looking to honor man. We're going to follow what God says because we believe in the God of Scripture. They wanted to honor God. Now, Jesus said in John 14, 15, He who loves me obeys my commandments. You want to know if you love God? Do you want to know if you love God? Are you obeying what he says? They might say, why does God want obedience from me? I mean, is, it, is God on like some super ego trip and he just wants everybody to follow him? You know, is, is he doing it because he wants to enslave people? Yeah, that, that's not it. You see, God wants obedience from us because he knows that his way is best. You know, he, he, stands, he stands so tall that he's able to see things that we can't see. I, I like the story of uh, Anne Graham Lotz. She's, you might be familiar with her. She is the daughter of Billy Graham. And uh, when her husband was living, she said, my husband was six foot seven. And she said he, was, uh, he played at, uh, I think he played basketball at the University of North Carolina. She said, but we'd go to football games at UNC. And she said, we'd go into the parking lot. and We'd get out of the car. And she said, we'd start walking. She said, there'd be a lot of people moving towards the, the, the stadium. And she says, they were moving towards the stadium. She said, I would just, I would, you know, the crowd's kind of knocking you around. She said, I just grab onto my husband. And she said, I just hang on to him. She said, because I knew he, he stood, he was a head taller than everybody else. And she said, so he knew exactly where to go. He didn't get lost in the crowd because he could see over the crowd. And she said, my job is just hang on to him. She said, now, if I ever lost contact with him, she said, then I'd get jostled away by the crowd and I would drift away with the crowd. And I thought, you know, that, that is, that's, it's almost like a picture of us and God. God. God stands a head taller than everybody else. He said, you just, the only thing you have to do is just hang on to me. But, but if you don't hang on to him, then what happens is we, we get caught up in the crowd and we go with the flow. And it's easier to go with the flow because let me tell you something. If you, if you follow the crowd and you go along with the flow of the crowd, you're never going to arrive where, where you want to get. And so that's why Daniel and his friends said, you know what, we're going we're to live fearless in a godless culture because we're going to stand firm in our faith. And then also see they're able to live fearless in a godless culture because they made a decision they're going to trust God's leadership. You know, they weren't just hanging on to him. They weren't just going to hang on to him as he, he pulled them through the crowd just because he was somebody to hang on to. They were going to hang on to him because they knew he knew where he was going. And I want to read to you verses 11 through 16. It says, So Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food. And deal with your servants based on what you see. He agreed with them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating, at the, uh, eating the king's food. And so the guard continued to remove 
their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Okay, so this is, again, we're dealing with food this entire time, but we see the importance of obedience to God even in small things. Now, I'm, you know, as, I, I, as a pastor, I'm amazed when I look out at, at all that the world offers. And there's a lot of stuff that the world offers, and I'm going to tell you, there's some of it that's really tempting. There's some stuff that I look at, what the world offers, and I think, hey, that looks pretty neat. You know, I kind of like, like to do that. I think that could be fun. And, you know, and, and, and me, if you think, me as, of, of all people would know that, that if I go after the things of the world, then the things of the world are not going to satisfy. As a matter of fact, all it's going to do is it's going to lead me away from God. Well, that's why I admire Daniel and his friends so much. So they, they've traveled on this long journey. They, they show up in the king's court. And so we know you've been on a long journey. Now we want to give you food from the king's table. That's a pretty good offer. Yeah, we're not talking McDonald's here. You know, when, they, when it's from the king's table, they haven't, they haven't had good food in a good while because of this journey. And all of a sudden they're being told, hey, listen, we, we got something for you right, right here from Ruth's Chris. This is a mouth-watering deal. And yet, what, what did Daniel and his friends do? They rejected the king's offer. Why? Why would they do that? Well, it's because they wanted to obey God. Now, for them to do that meant there could be possible consequences for obedience. You see, the king was investing in this men because he wanted something out of them. And if they rejected the king's offer, more than likely, the king wasn't going to be too happy, probably. That's why the chief official was worried. Matter of fact, the king could have said, they don't want what I have to give them. We'll go ahead and just cut their heads off. It would have been any skin off the king's back. But, but I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? If we're going to make an impact in a godless culture, then we have to deny going with the flow and hang on to God's instruction and trust Him. And, and I think this is where we get into trouble. I think sometimes we get in trouble in that we are afraid to trust that God knows what he's talking about because it's easier to go with the flow. And we think, if I am going to truly live according to what God's word says, then I can find myself in trouble. And then we wonder why so many times as believers, we feel like we don't make much of an impact. Guys, let me tell you something. When we are not willing to live according to God's word, you're not going to see the power of God. We're not going to see God's strength if we are not willing to live according to his word. Well, how do we see our faith put into action? Living. You know, we're we're approaching that time of year. Next week is December, which is really strange. And as we move towards January, I know that there are people who like to make New Year's resolutions, right? And so, you know, we make uh, New Year's resolutions. We say we're going to eat better. You know, we're going to exercise more. Um, we're going to be nicer to people. Um, you know, we're not going to. You know, we're not going to be on our. You know, devices as much this year. You know, so we make all these all these different resolutions. Now, I know that most of you you keep them, but the people outside of here, most of them do not. Now, you can make all the resolutions that you want. You can say, "I'm going to eat better. I'm going to exercise." But if you don't do those things, What's going to happen? Nothing, right? If you don't put something into practice, you can expect nothing to happen. Same thing's true with our faith. Guys, if we don't put into practice what God instructs us to do and how He instructs us to live, let me tell you what you can expect. 
It's nothing. Now, that's why I really appreciate Daniel and his three friends. They said, we are not going to break God's law. And they told the chief official, they said, we're going to follow God's law. Give us 10 days, and then you tell us what you see. They put him to the test. Said, God, we're going to do what you say, and we're going to put it to the test. They did what God said. They didn't eat the king's food. Ten days later, the chief official comes and looks at him and goes, Oh my gosh, y'all look healthier than the other guys. Why, why was that? Because guys, let me tell you something. When God says something, when God makes promises, he keeps them. He keeps his word. He is true. And, and, and whenever we know that, that, in, that should enable us to say, you know what, I'm going to live for Jesus. And I can be fearless about it because God always keeps his word. You, you think the world needs to see the power of God? I, there, there, to me, there is no doubt. Our world needs to see the power of God. And my guess is there are many of us in this room, we need to see the power of God. But if we're going to see the power of God, we have to trust the instruction of God and live it. And these men were able to be fearless in a, in a godless culture because they made a decision they were going to be firm in their faith because they made a decision they're going to trust God's leadership. But they were also able to live fearlessly in a godless culture because they knew that God would honor obedience. And that's the final part of our verse is what we see. It says God gave these men for, or they gave these men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. And Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief of the official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, it's the king, and says the king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to serve in the king's court. In every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the diviner priests and mediums in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Did you know God will honor obedience? Did you know that? If you will follow the leadership of God God honors that. Now you can go back to the you can go back to the book of Exodus. Whenever Moses was leading the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity, God sent them through the wilderness in order to prepare them to receive the promised land, Israel. He said, now "I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the ten commandments to live by." And then and then Moses pointed out the importance of living by God's word. And in Daniel twenty eight one and two, listen to what Moses said. He said, "Now if you faithfully obey the Lord." You're God, and you're careful to follow all the commands I'm giving you today. Listen to what the Lord will do. The Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come, and they will overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. You know what God's looking for from his people? Obedience. He's, he's looking for us just simply to look at his word and say, God, I'm going to trust that what you say is right, and I will live it. Will there be people who won't agree with that? Yep. There are going to be people who are going to become angry about that? Yep. But who are we here to live for? Who are we here to please? Am I, are, are we here to please just people around us? I'm not saying it's bad to, for people to be pleased, but is that our motivation? If, if you belong to Jesus, your motivation is to please God. 
Now, as, as you read through the Old Testament, you'll find that many times what happened is the people of God, they decided to perform the perfunctory acts of religion and yet, and yet live like they wanted to. And God said, I'm not dealing with that. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to honor that. Matter of fact, listen to what God had to say to Samuel. In 1 Samuel 15, 22, it says, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord. Look, to obey is better than to sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. God takes delight in our obedience because it demonstrates that we trust Him and believe in Him. For all of you parents out there, how many of you take delight in your children's obedience to you? Y'all like that? that honor you? How many of you like it when your children perform the perfunctory acts of obedience and say, yes, I will do that, and yet they don't do it? Do you like that? No. None of us do. Well, is it weird to think that God's the same way? God desires obedience, and when you're obedient, he honors it. Did you know he honored Daniel and his four friends, his three friends? He gave them places of leadership. It says that even with, with Daniel, it says he gave them all wisdom and knowledge. And with Daniel, he said he gave him the ability to interpret dreams and visions. Now you might say, well, that's, that sounds neat. But it means more than that. It was just neat. You see, it's interesting that it happened in the land of Babylon. Because Babylon was known for their wise men. As a matter of fact, there are some scholars who believe, as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, that the three wise men, that when they came to see Jesus, that they were from Babylon. They were known for being wise, and yet God blessed Daniel in his obedience. And when Nebuchadnezzar saw Daniel, he said, Daniel, you and your friends are ten times better than my diviner priest and mediums. Guys, when we're obedient to God, God enables his people to change culture. God is, God's not called Village Church. He's not called Christians. He's not called any church to go along with culture he's called us to lead it and how do we lead it by following god by being obedient to his word well how, how can we demonstrate obedience to god's word well as you read through scripture you're going to find find some things that he calls for us to be he calls for us to be a people who love others he calls for us to be a people who serve he calls for us to share with people who jesus is he calls for us to live according to what his word says. And he says, as you do that, he said, I will honor that. Now, we, have a, we live in a culture today that leads in so many areas, but we are missing leadership in one area that is most important, and that is leading in the area of allegiance to the God of Scripture. So how do we do that? How do we turn that around? Now, it's not going to be through some political party. It's not going to be through the church holding up and hiding out from the world. It will begin with me and you being willing to stand up and say, we will live faithful and godly lives in a godless culture because Jesus called us to be a light in the world. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel did. They were firm in their faith, they trusted God's leadership, and they believed that God would honor obedience. And the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. He still honors obedience. I will worship you.